Hi, I'm Patricia Cornwell, and you're listening to The Dinner Party Show with the wonderful Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I went to a marvelous party. Don't even know the facts. The they go with their ideas. gut. Don't have enough depth. Last cares about your Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Live. From the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's The Dinner Party Show, the Internet's first live comedy variety show, with your hosts, New York Times best-selling authors, Christopher Rice. No, there's actually a new study that confirms every other child you see on the street is a ghost. <laughs> and Eric Shaw Quinn. I don't want to talk too much, but... Okay, we're going no, to no. take up a collection for the stained glass window. Now we want the dirt. Featuring reports from their largely unqualified staff of special correspondents. Sex is like Christmas. It's the not knowing what you're going to get that makes it exciting. New York is a giant trash island infested by has-been theater queens. If we're really serious about cutting federal spending, the biggest waste of public funds I can think of is Congress. Two snaps for Jesus! The Dinner Party Show. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you live and for free through the dinnerpartyshow.com and our free mobile app. And now, direct from the kitchen by way of the Get out of my office. It's your hosts, Christopher and Eric. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and you're listening to the live cast of The Dinner Party Show for December 7th, 2015. 2015, really? Oops. <laughs> I'm tired, bitch. <laughs> also, 2014. We're doing a two-year... We're getting it done in We're advance. We're getting it done well in advance. Exactly. And uh, in that spirit, tonight, we will not be commenting on the president's decision to pardon not one, but Two delicious-looking turkeys last week. We're sure that in their rush to make the president's ludicrous annual PR stunt seem like an unpresidential and unconstitutional power grab, Fox Cable News-themed channel <laughs> did a much better job of making fools of themselves than we ever could. So we'll leave it to the experts. No one makes Fox News look worse than Fox News. Testify. We will also not be discussing President Obama's nomination of former Deputy Defense Secretary Ashton Carter hmm. to be the new Secretary of Defense. Hmm. Not because we have anything against Mr. Carter. We just don't want to run the risk of revealing how many times those push notices and news alerts confused us into believing the star of Two and a Half Men and Dude, Where's My Car? had been picked to succeed Chuck Hagel. Mm, yeah. That's it. It's the push notices. Shut fault. the fuck up. <laughs> and Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> we will probably be unable to resist the urge to discuss the unpardonable offense of an alleged Republican political aide who suggested the president's teenage daughters, who were in attendance at the shocking presidential turkey pardoning we refused to talk about earlier, quote, Rise to the occasion and act like being in the White House matters to you. Dress like you deserve respect, not a spot at the bar. Close quote. Mm -hmm. We will, however, offer the now unemployed <laughs> conservative jerk a suggestion. Beginning an attack on other people's children by exhorting them to show a little class might be advised you'd be better served taking for yourself. Especially if you were arrested for shoplifting as a teenager. Also okay. not being discussed <laughs> on tonight's show. Also not being discussed on tonight's show. The Ohio woman, not because we have anything against Ohio, but she was pulled over on suspicion of driving under the influence last oh week. And when the police asked her how much she'd been drinking, she answered, gobble, gobble, turkey. Oh, dear. Police refused to comment on rumors they left the woman out in the rain in the hope that she would look skyward and drown. <laughs> 
I'll be here all week. Try the shrimp. <sighs> Finally, while we want to avoid offering anyone legal advice, we would like to point out that presidential executive orders are not unconstitutional, but shooting a fleeing unarmed suspect is. As for everything else, it's still on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Enjoy the hors d'oeuvres, but don't fill up. There's plenty more to come. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, brought to you in part by Tylenol Cold and Flu. Eric Shaw Quinn has enough Tylenol Cold and Flu coursing through his system to kill a guinea pig. Right, or to be considered a wholly owned subsidiary of the Johnson & Johnson family of fine companies. But God forbid that would stop him from launching his Christmas village, which we will talk about later in the show. Absolutely not. Nothing stops greater Christmas village. (laughs) Like Brigadoon, rising from the mist. In your living room. Oh my God, but if I sound a little Lauren call tonight it's because i'm i've had this cold for like two weeks yeah yeah we all had it we're also this is the exhausted edition of the dinner party i'm telling you i am just fucking exhausted you i may have had a cold but you gave us all quite a little scare yeah i was this is actually the first time i'm talking about this i didn't go on social media and post about this right when it happened because i was kind of completely weirded out about it um on Monday night, I ended up in the emergency room. I walked to the gym and worked out with my trainer, and I was feeling really weird and inexplicably tired. And I came out of the gym, and I couldn't breathe. I just literally couldn't breathe. And I, I mean, I could, but I felt starved for air. And mm. um, I started tingling all over my body. I couldn't, Not in a good way. Not in a good way. Like, it was to the degree where it almost felt like there was, like, sand or needles being rubbed on me. Jesus. And I called an ambulance because I just didn't know what to do. And they came right away and strapped shit on my chest. And um, it was pretty clear from their behavior that I wasn't dying there. But uh, loaded me into the ambulance and took me to the ER. And, you know, and I, I, they pretty much ruled out anything physical, which is a weird thing to hear when you're feeling that badly. You it's know? also weird to have your best friend text you and say, now don't get upset, but I'm in the emergency room. <laughs> I it was it. like, well, I'll do my best at pretending <clears throat> not to be upset, but I'm kind of going to be said, upset. I said don't be alarmed. I think you're still free to be upset, but alarmed is like I'm going to you know, go to the hospital and start calling people. I was still people. alarmed. Yeah, I know. There really wasn't much I could do to no. try to contain it. But by the time I texted you, I had been told that I did not have a blood clot. They were like, let's say 60% sure I didn't, uh, that it was not a heart attack that it was not uh, anything that would show up on a chest x-ray. Those were the things they did right away as soon as I got into the ER. But they kept me overnight, which was a little weird. I thought, okay, if this is a panic attack, which, motherfuck, a panic attack is a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I'll say that much. <laughs> I thought a panic attack is, you know, Eric Shaw Quinn slaps you on the side of the head and you come to your senses, but... Well, was, I might have if I'd been there. I don't know if I would have come to my senses. So you're not but you sick. You just crazy. Is that what you're telling us? Well, that's the thing, and it's almost like if if you've ever had a panic attack before, like I want to hear from you because there's still a part of me, as much as we're still ruling stuff out, that believes this has to be something that's profoundly physically wrong with me. But I've been reading about panic attacks, and this is a real thing. You become convinced that you're either having a heart attack or a stroke, or that you can't breathe, or. All this sort of stuff. And anyway, so that's... But the other reason I didn't want you so alarmed, Eric Jaquin, is that you were sick. Like, I didn't want you rushing to the ER when you weren't getting well, but apparently you... He was just afraid I'd drive. (laughs) I was for the good... Everybody's always trying to prevent me from driving. It was for the good of Los Angeles. It's the greater good kind of experience. Yeah, Yeah, the greater good. Um... I have a whole group of friends who every time they hear a helicopter go, oh, Eric must be driving again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that is my story. But, you know, it has been an exhausting two months. And so I and but it has been a mostly wonderful. But it's been an amazing two months. Yeah. When we come back, we'll um, recap. We haven't been around for a while. So we'll talk about a little bit more about the holidays and your amazing book tour and some remarkable events. You've met a lot of the party people. I did. I did. Well, I, I had already met a lot of the party people and I saw a lot of them again. I'm trying to think of who I met for the first time. But at the BentCon show, we had a. 
a lovely group of loyal party people, Samiko Salson, Philip Cohen, Talitha Wagner, um, Dottie Villanueva. They were all in the front row of our show. We saw right. them. Duncan Ballard was Duncan there. Duncan Ballard came by dressed as Star-Lord. Everybody, Star-Lord. a lot of people were in costume. It was really great. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want my panic attack to eclipse the greatness of it. And we did an event yesterday in Palm Springs, which is technically our last event of the tour. So we'll talk some about that. And yeah, um, we always talk about Greater Christmasville for at least several episodes. Right. So, and I think it's time to to revisit the idea of Christmas without borders. Okay, remind me what Christmas without borders well, is. Well, I want people from the party verse to send us their pictures of their Greater Christmasville so that the borders of Greater Christmasville uh, can extend and include all of the people who listen to the show. Uh, so you're, we're looking for your pictures of your Greater Christmasville. As it happens, I kind of got a jump on the season. Nobody should feel like it's a contest. But, you know, during the next few weeks as we close in on everybody's favorite holidays, whatever they may be, Merry yeah. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Um, that we you send us photos of your celebration and your decorations. Absolutely. And let us not forget our special guest, Thomas Waite, who will be here later in the show. He will be discussing cyber attacks have been all over the news. Right. In honor of the Christmas holiday season. In honor season, of the Christmas we'll holidays. We'll be talking about uh, cyber terrorism. Thomas Waite is the author of a new novel called Lethal Code. And we actually share a publisher, which is 47 North at Amazon Publishing. And he will be here to discuss his novel and the line between fact and fiction when it comes to cyber terrorism. Excellent. We're going to take a short break here on the Dinner Party Show, and we're going to stop talking about our various health problems, and we're going to be back for mm. the soup to talk about stuff that's fun and frivolous, as Good. Eric always yes. likes to do. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm Christopher Rice. And why are you looking at me like that, Eric? Well, I just finished reading The Flame, your first erotic romance, and I must say you know a lot more about a woman's body than I thought. Thank you, I guess. I don't actually think you're the best judge of that, but whatever, I'll take the compliment. Truth be told, there are all sorts of bodies on display in The Flame, whereas Christopher's body is usually on display on his Facebook All right, page. come on now. The Flame is now on sale through the dinnerpartyshow.com and at Amazon. It's the passionate tale of a magical scented candle that helps the person who lights it follow their heart's desires. So that's what we're calling it now. Just finish before you ruin the right. promo. Ruin a promo? How could I possibly do that? You mean by singing this song again like I did the last time? Erotic, erotic. I'm put leaving. Your hands all over my body. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where the soup is hot, but the heads are hotter. <laughs> Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and Shea Butters just texted us. You guys are live, right? Because <laughs> we're doing such a bad job, apparently. Because <laughs> we sound so dead. We're both, like, so completely torn down. Brandon, our... Uh, engineering genius in the booth walked out and looked at us sitting in the lobby earlier and said, God, you guys look terrible. (laughs) Well, I think he said we sounded terrible, which is actually a worse thing to say to somebody who's about to do a radio show. Right. Um, And we do sound kind of terrible, but we um, have had a lot going on. This was quite a big, I have to say, there's always a temptation when a book tour is starting to sort of bring a halt to your live weekly internet radio show, but we pretty much kept at it throughout the whole book tour. We have been pretty steady. We did do like the, we had a wonderful Thanksgiving, but we still put together that special and recorded yeah. special intros and stuff for the um for the encore presentation of Thanksgiving Live from Poison Creek. Thank you, Jonelle Sams. Yeah, thanks, Jonelle. Whatever. <laughs> so yeah, we did that. And I have to say though, the day that was the most interesting was interesting. What the fuck? The day that was the most challenging was flying back from New York City and then doing that live show from BentCon the next day, which was the first time we had ever done that at all we had never right. done the dinner party show outside of our studio never and it was involving mom and mom's plane landed two hours before the show was supposed to go live right. and she was landing at lax and we were in burbank 
I was fucking exhausted. It was like the first time in years I've literally unplugged the phone just so that nobody could wake me up before it was time. <laughs> but we did it, you know, and it was great. But then was we all really got sick. Terrific. And, that, but yeah, it was we're all sick. the combination of all of the stuff. It's been a big year, but it has worn everybody down a little bit. But we still had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We yeah. went out to the desert and swam in great pools of gravy and mashed potatoes. And But you were sick. You had a cold. I totally had a cold. It was really funny. I went to the um, the grocery store right before I left to go out to the desert, and I was standing in the kitchen baking cookies, naturally. Of because, course. Like you do. And um, a friend stopped by, and literally there was a moment where he went, he looked at me and went, are you okay? And I was not. It was like, ba-bam. Yeah. But even so, I still had a wonderful time hanging out <clears throat> with you guys in the desert, and Doing the usual but stuff. You, but we don't really quiet. relax when we're all together. I mean, like, I guess it's relaxing, but we're all such intense, um, brilliant, if you will, high-strung people that we sit around the table to relax and start arguing about political issues and all that sort of stuff, which can be fun. But sometimes you just got to go on Amazon and buy a bunch of romance novels. We were pretty tame this year. Everybody was we pretty worn down. Dead. Your mom has I, been mom. on the most marathon exhausting tour in the history. And of- she's doing better than any of us. I feel like the wuss. I did maybe half of her tour. Maybe half. And I, there was a moment when she was supposed to fly, or she did fly. She was scheduled to fly from San Francisco to Toronto. And it was the dead middle of her tour, and she'd been working so hard. And then I heard that the polar vortex was going to drop down again. And I thought, God, I hope she gets grounded in San Francisco so that she can take a nap, <laughs> at least. But, you know, she was fine. But she's a she's a trooper. You know? Yeah, she no, really she is. really has. She All over the country, crisscrossing the country. You guys had your last event for the season yeah. was just this weekend, and you even had to rush back from that yeah. for the Christmasville dinner party. I'm not, I know better than to miss your greater Christmasville well, dinner party. I think that's Shockland. a sensible choice. But how was the event? How did it was a great event. Where it was, was it? It was at Just Fabulous in Palm Springs, and we met a lot of people that I hadn't met before, Anna Graham and a few other party people So things that are not fabulous are not allowed. It's just no, fabulous. No, it's just fabulous. Well, I will say that thanks to Stephen Moncrash, who owns the store, um, and I just think I totally mangled his last name. Uh, he he <laughs> Sorry, provided the gifts that I presented to the attendees at your party last night. So the big penis book in 3D oh, is courtesy yes. of Stephen. That was very fun. Um, lovely little uh, book of male nudes, also courtesy of Stephen. The, the oh, gay activist the coffee out of the mug. closet coffee mug. Yeah, out mug. of the closet. It's a great, it's a coffee mug where it's got a series of closet doors on it. And when you pour the coffee in it and it heats up, the doors open and all these great openly gay figures from his appear on the side of your coffee cup. I'm going to get you one for Christmas, Brandon. So, yeah, it's great. (laughs) Only it'll be gay NFL players. It'll have, you know, three three, uh, people on it. Um, This is when Brandon wishes he had a talkback mic so he could, you know, not take our shit live on the air. Or a cough button. A cough button, right? So, yeah, that was great. And the event was great. The event was hot. It was actually hot in Palm Springs yesterday. It was yeah, about 81 it's degrees. Like we've sort of been having fake cool weather, but I had to turn the air conditioner on here this afternoon. We got our asses rained on last week. I know. It was great. Well, if you would stop wearing those assless chaps up and down Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> ha! That's a real huge problem for I, me. He's slower than usual tonight, folks. He's on his cold medicine. I can, I can get him up and down. Um, so... I don't know what that means. I don't either. It sounds sort of nasty. <laughs> Get them up and down. Right? So, yeah. Do you think anybody's still listening to our show? Or I do, hope so. Do you think like that? They're, 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 they're you guys are still out there, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah. We had a great Thanksgiving. You had a great book tour. Yeah. And no more events for a while, right? You guys are... We are we are off the hook for a while. We have an event later in January, but I don't even want to mention it because I don't want her to hear about it because she's so tired. She needs to rest. So yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, and now you're back to work. You're back on I'm, your book. I am writing the next, uh, the first novel in the Desire Exchange universe. The Flame, my novella, is already in that universe. So I, this novel will be out in February. This is the fastest I've ever written a novel, which I also shouldn't say because if people don't like it, they'll go on Goodreads and say, "Well, he shouldn't write so fast because it shows." <laughs> Um, but it's it's a really it's a lot of fun. So Jordan is you think Jordan Ampersand big, writes all my Goodreads big reviews. feelings yeah. on Goodreads. Yeah, I can't Good imagine Jordan being on Goodreads because it includes the word reads. Reads exactly. But Jordan will be back in a few weeks when we do an encore presentation of a very special TDPS oh, Christmas. 
Christmas. Yeah. Absolutely. Jordan for Christmas. Great. So Mike Martinez says we sound like B. Author and Lucille Ball warming up to revive name. I will always be bosom bodies, friends, sisters, and pals. Pals. <laughs> uh, Samiko Salson says her first panic attack, during her first panic attack, the hospital thought she was on crack. Wow. I can see that. They asked me if I was on ephedra because I had just come from the gym. And were you? And I, no, I very dramatically pronounced black tea. All I've had is English breakfast tea. Which we're no longer having Which here we're in no the studio. Having. We're no longer, we're having oolong tonight, folks. Yeah. Which is what I usually drink at home, so I'm not actually really all that. Yeah, I'm, Although I, the Kensington I mean, we usually have is pretty great. I am dialing back my caffeine consumption as a result of this, but I am also being, te- we're talking about, you said I could only talk about my panic attack during the first second. That's and right. I'm talking about it again, but Samiko brought it up. So it's really all Samiko's fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I just didn't want to make the whole show about, you know, like, we're getting older, and that's actually an accomplishment, but I don't want to turn into the old people who talk, you know, the report on my knee, where you say, so how are you doing? And 20 minutes later, you say, oh my God. And the doctor doesn't know about my knee. Mom says I'm valiant despite my health problems. Thank you. I think she's talking to both of us, though. That's the uh, yeah, or Prince Valiant. Yeah, I'm Prince Valiant. I'm Prince Prince Cedar Sinai is what it felt like. Right, we're rising above the nurse said our to personal me, crises to be here sitting in this fabulous, luxurious studio, yeah, right, exactly. being served oolong tea and talking about our aches. And Speaking pains of being served, let me just add that our lovely Jack is here tonight um, in studio with us and is wearing one of the largest parkas I've ever seen <laughs> because someone named Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm not going to point any fingers, but I'm pointing my elbow at him right now. His initials are Eric Shaw Quinn. Heats it to meat locker temperature here in the studio, and so we're we're it is really Christmassy here at TDPS. Right? I'm in the spirit of the season. I just happen to be in the spirit of the season all year long. All right, yeah, you you are in the spirit all year long. But Eric, I, I know you were born in another country, and I think that is some suggestion that you were experimented on by aliens. But I, you are always hot. I'm you sure run. people from other countries are pleased to hear that. You are, no, I just think that like it was wartime and it was Germany, and we all know the Nazis worked with extraterrestrials. So maybe you you have like alien. We tech all know though. that. Yes, we all know. Haven't you watched the History Channel? <laughs> it's on the History Channel. Yeah, ancient I'm, aliens. I'm really hoping that at some point they will actually have some history on the History Channel. <laughs> the history of the Loch Ness monster, right? Maybe, like, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we are going to stop talking about our fucking selves, and we are going to... No, we're not. Don't be... We're just kidding. Well, apparently, I think our next guest, uh, Thomas Wade, has some stuff to say about you. I don't... Really? Well, I can't wait to find out what that is. He is here to discuss his new... His thriller, Lethal Code, which is about a, quote, Pearl Harbor-sized cyber attack on the United (laughs) States. (laughs) Just in time for the holidays. But in the meantime, we found a very special song that you may be familiar with with, but you may not know that William Shatner recorded a version of it, and we're going to play it for you right now. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Let's dish! Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And with cyber warfare and cyber attacks in the news, there probably isn't a better week to have our next guest on the show. Absolutely. I was so thrilled when I heard. Thomas Waite is the best-selling author of cyber thrillers. His debut novel, Terminal Value, was critically praised by one critic who said, I believe with time he will become the John Grisham of of the murderous technology novel. <laughs> but just the one. Just the one. <laughs> well, there's only really one John Grisham. His latest novel is Lethal Code, and it was recently released from the same publisher as The Vines. And that is actually how I met you, Thomas. Is that correct? I met you that, in New York. That is correct. At Thriller Fest. At Welcome Thriller to the Fest. Dinner Party Show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We've been wanting to have you on for a long time, and we've been working with your schedule and our schedule, and now it just so happens that we're having you on during a week in which... Cyber warfare is on the news. Perfect timing. Yes, it certainly is. Let's start with uh, Lethal Code. Let's start right. with Let's start with you, and we'll get to current events. Tell us a little bit about um, about Lethal Code. You say it's part of a series, right? Yes. Yeah, so I've I've embarked on a series of cyber thrillers. Lethal Code is the first in the series. Lethal Code is a novel about a massive anonymous cyber attack on the U.S. 
and in the novel, unknown terrorists cripple the nation's power grid mm. and bring the country to its knees, essentially. And you've studied this topic pretty extensively. Yes. A few things on that. First, my background prior to becoming an author was in the technology field, although I'm not a deep technologist, and I'm going to be the first one to say that I'm not a cybersecurity expert <laughs> by any means. Well, we probably wouldn't be able to understand what you were saying if you were, so it's probably just true. as well. And you're also <laughs> the first person to probably go on TV or a radio show and offer your opinion about this matter without claiming to be an expert. So <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> That's very Thank refreshing. You. Thank you, Tom. Well, I don't want any backlash from those cyber experts who listen in. And right? You don't want them hacking I you. Right? I certainly get enough of that in my novels, so I don't need it here. Right? <laughs> Ain't that the truth. Oh, God. But to, to answer your question more Robustly. So in addition to my background in technology, I also serve on the boards of and advise some technology companies. And I would say probably about four years ago, I kind of latched on to the cybersecurity space and cyber um, warfare space. I was very intrigued by it. Uh -huh. You know, I had conversations with folks, went to conferences, did a lot of reading. I think one of the seminal books I read was, was actually called Cyber War uh, by Richard Clark. Uh, who you may or may not know. We remember, yeah. he, is, he was known as the man who spoke out against the Bush administration. He was a counterterrorism official, and he's the one who accused Condoleezza Rice of, of acting as if she had never heard Osama bin Laden's name before. Is that the same <laughs> Richard Clark? <laughs> Well, you'd have to ask, ask Richard Clark if he actually said that, but yes. Yeah. It is <laughs> well, I think it was in his one of his books. In but, generally, yeah. yeah, in general, that's the guy. And and I think worth noting that, so you you weren't alone in your intrigue with this actual, grow, it's a real growing threat. It's a real genuine concern at, at a government and defense level in the country in general, not just a fictional speculation. Correct. You know, I was reading nonfiction, but in the back of my mind as a writer of fiction, I thought this is a great canvas. Right. Uh, there's such, it's such a fast moving, changing environment. It's new and mm -hmm. different in the thriller genre. And I just thought if you create, crafted a great story and introduced some wonderful characters, it would be very both entertaining and educating, which is the right. kind of kind of novels I love to write. And I, there was some, I think, background or some movies, let's say, that tried to sort of go down this road. But I remember the Sandra Bullock film, The Net, <laughs> which is obviously not one of Eric's movies. <laughs> well, it's just so, like, at this point in time, it's really just so charming. It's, yeah. it's the you've got mail of cyber terrorism. It movies. really is. I mean, but even at the time, I remember thinking that it was sort of a little too ahead of its time. Like, we didn't seem quite as connected back then. I think I guess it was the mid '90s when that movie came out, as we are now. I mean, it seems like you're striking at the right time, Tom. Thank you. I think you're right that that and other movies may have been ahead of their time. I mean, one of the biggest problems we face today, and this is now for better or worse changing, is a lack of awareness on the part of most U.S. citizens about how dire the threat is that we face. Mm. Threats, I should say. Um, so a lot of people live in, in their own world and don't understand what's going on. They hear these stories. They think, oh, credit cards. Yeah, I had to replace my credit card last year. So. Tom, let me ask you, how you, you said this particular book concerns itself with an assault on the, the electrical grid in the country. How viable is that? Is there, is there a real threat to the, this country's electrical grid, which I guess is largely you know, networked? Well, interesting that you say that. And the reason I bring that up is that I did, as I published my novel, receive some criticism from critics um, that it was not believable. Were these legitimate critics or were these, uh, you know, anonymous reviewers on Amazon? <laughs> they were anonymous reviewers. Of on course. Of course. They were hackers who were mad at you for revealing their plan. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, that could be the case. Right. And, you know, obviously as a novelist, I take some liberties, but I would describe Lethal Code as not completely, but mostly based on facts. And The Grid has, uh, since I, my novel came out, the government has actually acknowledged that we are vulnerable. Mm. And so has one of the organizations that represents the major utilities in the U.S. And they're very public about it now. Um, oh, there's God. some nuances in there, but, you know, the grid is very vulnerable. And my novel isn't just about the grid coming down. That's, that's the opening salvo, if you will, in the novel. Mm, that's um, where it begins. Oh, my God. That's okay. where it begins. Tom, let me ask you another question. I know it, sometimes it's hard to get, let's say, citizens to react to something when we speak about it in the big picture. I think we're seeing that around 
global warming and climate change. When we talk about the entire planet, people just sort of fritz out. So sometimes when we talk about an attack on the power grid, it, it doesn't sink home as much as, let's say, an attack on an individual, like having your identity stolen. How vulnerable are individuals? I mean, I know Eric is pretty cautious with his own information. I remember us making fun of him years ago because he password protected his printer, you know, and we said, <laughs> what are you thinking? You know, so like how, how much, how e- it can't be that easy to find out stuff about every, everyday citizens, or as easy as it appears to be in, in fiction and film. Well, let me ask Eric. Eric, do you feel like you're secure and that you have privacy? Well, I want to. I don't want to just invite people in. You know, the fact that somebody could be outside my door with their iPad and connect to a networked device inside of my home, that just made me feel unnecessarily, you know, it's like leaving the door unlocked. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, somebody could still get in. You can chop the door down. But but if I lock the door, I at least have that sense of, okay, I've made some effort to at least make it less inviting. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people feel the way you do, Eric. But look, I can go on the web, and I did before this interview, and do my own research. So it's very easy, Eric, taking you as an example, oh. for people to determine that, You know, you have these expressions like words are how I entered the world and that you're a New York Times bestselling author. Right, but that's kind of out there for everyone, right? Yeah. Well, there's interesting pictures of, of, uh, sorry, Pamela Anderson thrusting her unnatural breast (laughs) in space at the Virgin Megastore, you know. Right. That was a huge We all know that, uh, that Chris is much, 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 much younger. (laughs) <laughs> well, I never let anyone forget. That's why. In yes, fact, I have. That's he actually <laughs> has that website. I'm much, 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 much younger than Eric.com. Right. Absolutely. But I but mean, that's know, that, that stuff you can just get from Googling our names because we're sort of public figures. If you know what you're doing and you dig deeper, you can find more interesting things. So, Eric, for example, yeah. I know a week ago tonight that you were at home and you were watching some show called The Bletchy Circle, which I've actually never heard of. But you do know it wasn't renewed for a third season, right? Yeah, I do. I was very sad about that. Yeah. And you also order uh, oolong tea in bulk from a company, I think it's called the Coffee Bean X. <laughs> that, man, that tea is damn expensive. You know, one ounce of red robe can set you back almost 20 bucks. <laughs> You have a a rich palate, my friend. (laughs) Oh, my God. And then another fact you can gather is you have, I think you have two different DVRs. One, I think, is a TiVo device, and that's in your living room. And the other is a DVR. I think it's on Time Warner Cable, and that's in your bedroom. Is that right? Oh, that's really intense. Yeah, you might want to put tape over your uh, webcam. I did. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to check it. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. So now tell him the stuff that I didn't tell you on Sunday so that we could prank him during the show. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent work, Tom. I think we got him. I don't know. Did we get you? God. Your smile was going sort of plastic and your face was going red. I think we got him. (laughs) I was thinking, oh, God, where are we headed? What's next? What's next? The websites you visit at midnight. <laughs> I didn't tell Tom about that. I think good work. Good work, Mr. Wait. You guys are really terrible. Right. Um, so okay, but so we just pranked Eric. But but really, how vulnerable are average citizens? Or or how lazy are average citizens when it comes to protecting their information? Uh, very lazy, generally speaking, uh, in my view. Um, as I say, I'm not a, an expert per se, but Obviously, I've read a lot and talked to people and even just observe family and friends. And, um, you know, the, the reality is the only way to be secure is to literally not be connected to the Internet. Oh, right. I, I, we saw that recently on an episode of Newsroom with an air-gapped computer. Uh, you know, a, a confidential right. source was trying to make contact and he said, you have to go out and buy an air-gapped computer, which is a computer that's never been connected to the Internet. Correct. Yeah. Although there's some technology that's being played around with that actually um, can gather data uh, via the air, over the air, without being connected to the internet. Wow. But that's, that's, you know, that's in the cutting edge realm. And, and who's playing with it? Cyber terrorists or our own United States government or a mix of both? I'm sure all. Uh, <laughs> all of the above. As long as we're on the topic, what do you think of this firestorm around the potentially uh, North Korea's assault on Sony Entertainment or... Whoever has assaulted Sony Entertainment, 
GOP, whoever they might be. Guardians of Peace or hashtag GOP. Right. Yeah, they're really helping out. Thanks, guys. Yeah. (laughs) What do I think? I think, first of all, I think that much of the publicity has been rather shallow and misguided. And what I mean by that is there's been a lot of focus on the films and the films that have been stolen and put on file sharing sites. You know, the Annie, uh, Mr. Turner, Still Alice, To Write in Our Love Arms, and of course, Fury, which is already um, out. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's been a lot of focus on that. But that is not the point. That is not the reason that this particular example is um, so disturbing. Okay. Um, and, and it's evolving. These things always evolve. So after uh, we get off this interview, um, more and more is going to be revealed. And more damage is going to be uncovered. And even Sony's admitting it's not sure of the full scope of information that the attackers Yeah, I heard have. they were offering their employees uh, identity theft management or something, some sort of – yeah, that's a pretty classic response when a company's breached that they turn their employees and give them something akin to free credit reporting for a year, which honestly isn't meaningful. But It's sort of like uh, closing the barn door after the horse has gotten out, right? I mean, it doesn't right. even sound like in this instance it's really the barn door. Oh, no. I mean, think about what's happened. First of all, some experts are calling this the first major attack on a U.S. company, if you consider it Sony Corporation of America, a U.S. company. It's, right. a, it's a Japanese company, is that correct? The headquarters is Japanese, yes. Right. Okay. Um, but this business unit, I believe, is uh, part of Sony Co- Corporation of America. Yeah. Okay. In any event, it used a highly destructive class of malicious software that was specifically designed to make computer networks unable to operate. So they didn't just steal data. Wow. They've actually destroyed data on a number of internal Sony systems. And what they did steal was huge, 25 gigabytes of, of data, which is a lot, sensitive data, on tens of thousands of Sony employees, tens of thousands. And... Wrap your head around this. You've got things that are stolen, including global global employee lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine if you're one of the 6,800 individuals. You know what they stole? They stole your name, your location, your employee ID, your network username, your base salary, your date of birth. So it's 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 a possibility that they were they would have been able to operate within the network as those employees if they had chosen to. I mean, was that a component of how they stole the information? That's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I I'm not in a position to opine on whether it was North Korea or not. I think it's certainly suspicious and likely they have motive if if you believe the uh, denouncements of it seems like it's, if it is them it's probably agents acting on their behalf I, 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 we're talking about a country that's having trouble feeding its own people i mean there's <laughs> been widespread famine throughout north korea i mean maybe there maybe there is the capability in that country to you know launch a cyber attack even though they can't launch a missile but but i taught let's talk some about why north korea they, is, is they a suspect launched, they launched a cyber attack against south korea last year is that not correct i yes they did Shut down the banks or whatever. And it was through Chinese agents. It was the Chinese ultimately who did it, but it was on their behest. Right. But let's talk for people who may not know the story, why North Korea is especially a a probable suspect in this case. (laughs) Well, your your listeners may or may not know that there's a movie that's going to be released by Sony called The Interview. Right. And in that movie, just to summarize the plot just briefly, are uh, a couple journalists who are going to interview – Kim Young, Kim Jong Un, or whatever. Thank you. I'm glad you said it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he added in, in the event, or whatever. Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, in the plot, of course, they're asked to assassinate him, and uh, the Korean government knows about this and denounced it as an act of war. Right. They were pretty upset um, at the time, and that was a while ago. Not in in cyber time. It was a while ago that oh, they did that, and so when this attack occurred. The suspicion immediately went to them because of motive. However, um, I think you're right that certainly some of the experts that I've been reading up on and one person I talked to said, you know, don't jump to conclusions. This doesn't really have the quote-unquote fingerprints of the North Koreans based on what they've done in the past. This seems much more opportunistic and highly complex. Um, That doesn't mean they're not part of it. It could turn out, may well turn out, that there are others, such as the Chinese, or, or even you know, there there are freelancers out there uh, for hire that you can find, or it could be a combination of one or more of those and someone, as you mentioned, on the inside, which is actually the nightmare scenario for any company. Uh, if you have a authenticated, as it's called, person on the inside who has the credentials, like a system in- administrator would be the uh, extreme example. Right. Um, who can work with an outside party, um, you can wreak enormous damage, as you might guess. And for those who are thinking, well, what does he mean by an insider? Well, 
you got to remember, uh, Edward Snowden was credentialed, he was authenticated, and he was a contractor for the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. So that was inside out, not outside in. So what we're looking for is a former Paramount employee who went to work for Sony who has an axe to grind against them because the Sony film beat a Paramount film at the box office, I bet. I bet that's what we're... The the thing that's interesting to me about the story is why Sony. You know, like that's ultimately like if you were going to do this as, as... If you weren't North Korea, if you were just cyber terrorist, why would you pick Sony in particular as opposed to other corporations who are reigning whatever right. all over the world as, as opposed to entertainment, which you might not like or agree with, but otherwise. Right. And I would ask in response to that question, is this a demonstration or a genuine attack? Was yeah, this it may a be show visibility of power, is, a good, you know? is a good reason to pick Sony. I mean, because I, I would ask you that too, Thomas. How many attacks do we never find out about because they're kept secret? Obviously, I don't know the answer to that question, but because <laughs> they're secret, right? But uh, I'm, I'm sure quite a few. You have to remember um, that many attacks aren't discovered for quite some time. I think, right, uh, right. I know, I know that uh, that Eric, you weren't watching. Um, <laughs> you were not watching <laughs> 60 Minutes a week ago. No, uh, I was not. But had had you watched it, you would have seen um, the CEO of. Uh, of Firewire, uh, FireEye, excuse me, uh, Dave DeWalt. Do you know him? Mm-mm. I clearly uh, don't. I wasn't watching the show. So, so Dave is one of those minutes, you would. experts in the field uh-huh. and uh, very, very smart guy. And he was interviewed, I think, in part to help wake up America. And uh, he mentioned a couple of facts that I just thought I would repeat, one of which is that in his company's view or research, they believe that 97% of companies have been breached in the U.S. Wow. Mother of God. And the average time it takes to discover that you've been breached, average, is 229 days. So Target is actually ahead of the game. Everybody else has been <laughs> breached. They just figured it out. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. 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 So are we living in this period of blissful ignorance on this topic? I mean, is that what I'm hearing? I mean, it sounds like uh, your book has the potential to wake people up. The interview you just described on 60 Minutes has the potential to wake people up. But Americans are very bad at waking up before it's time. I mean, how seriously did the average American take... Um, groups like al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden before 9-11. I remember everybody would always say, look at what they've tried to pull off in the United States. They tried to bomb the World Trade Center, and it was a stupid little truck bomb, that did, and it was in the wrong place, and it didn't do the damage they wanted. And then, boom, you're having 9-11, because n- nobody wanted to sort of deal with it before. Are, is that a concern of yours? Is that maybe why you're writing in this field? Absolutely. Two things on that. The first is, uh, years ago, uh, Leon Panetta used the term you just used. So he said we're in a pre-9-11 moment mm. for a cyber Pearl Harbor-like attack, wow. um, which, is, which is in the preamble of, uh, of lethal code. And a lot just this past week, the New York Times um, had a very good piece about the dismal state we're in, in ter- when it comes to cybersecurity and mentioned that everyone thought that would have to happen for people to wake up. But they were holding out hope that given what's going on today, people are going to start to wake up. I mean, after all, in the last two years, there's been breaches at the White House, the State Department, top federal intelligence agency, the largest American bank, the top hospital operator, energy companies, retailers, even the postal office. And when you start to think about that, and now, now of course, Sony and other examples that are very public, people have to at least start feeling insecure. You know, last year, uh, over 552 million people had their identities stolen. And 25,000 Americans had their sensitive health information compromised oh. every day, every day, according to the Department of Health. 25,000 a day? According to the Department of Health and Human Services. And, and now we're – compromised means that they were willfully stolen, this information? Either willfully or, or accidentally. Okay. The, the information was not secure. Correct. The old Staples example, uh, and Staples is – based here in Massachusetts, where I live, was traced back to an employee's laptop. And legislation was passed so that anybody who has a laptop that's used for business purposes in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the data must be encrypted by law. Wow. So, But that's such a small change in the scheme of things. I mean, we need much larger changes. Well, Tom, talk to me about now, we've got sort of a sense of the the, the world in which you're writing. Talk to me about how, in Lethal Code and, and uh, subsequent books, you're 
you are exploring this in in your in your fictional world. How do are, are there is there an investigator? You know, through what point of view do we enter this particular story? So in my series, uh, the, there's a heroine, as you might guess, uh, or a hero, but in my case, a heroine. Her name is Lana Elkins. She's the head of a major cybersecurity company, um, but also a former NSA operative. And what she does in the series is she returns to her roots when things happen, such as they do in Lethal Code and in subsequent novels. And spearheads working with the agency, their frantic efforts to combat any enemies onslaught, cyber onslaught. What was she doing prior to, after she left NSA, what was she doing before she re-entered the field? Uh, she started her own um, and still has her own cybersecurity company. It's called Cyber Fortress. So she comes back with them as like a contractor? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, she's got, frankly, she has government relations uh, anyway, contracts with Obviously, them. Obviously. The- in any event, uh, you know, in the case of Lethal Code, uh, I follow the storyline, which is to infiltrate a terrorist hotbed overseas because that's where, through her cyber sleuthing, she determines the uh, the attack originates after a lot of work, as you might guess. Right. And a lot of explosions, it sounds like, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so the nation's oh, transportation and, and uh, utilities um, are compromised along with other things. Not to spoil the book for for the audience, but yes. So are you getting, you know, I think we're both Amazon authors and, you know, Amazon lives and dies by those customer reviews. And I know you said some self-described anonymous security experts are are questioning your uh, accuracy in terms of how vulnerable the power grid is. But are you scaring the crap out of anyone? I imagine you are. You're scaring me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so two of uh, us sorry about can that. put us down in the scary. No, no, no. I like being scared, Thomas. I write, I write <laughs> scary books, and I do a show with Eric where I never know what he's going right, to say. It's so always I enjoy scary. Be, I enjoy being frightened. <laughs> the, I'm looking forward to the day when Stephen King calls me and tells me I scared him. Then oh, I'll, that would be yeah, scary, yeah, right? yeah, totally. <laughs> Totally. Um, yeah, I think I'm scaring those who do read the book. Um, certainly the layperson who reads it gets scared, and uh, I get messages from people either on Twitter or Facebook or sometimes emails on my website. And, uh, you know, they're very forthcoming about it. Some of them want to know if it's really possible because they are scared. Right. Do they start asking you what they should do to protect themselves? Yeah, but I don't usually give that kind of advice. I'll direct them to resources where they the can actual, meet up. Yeah, to the people. For most of us, we should all be pra- practicing good internet hygiene for lack of a better term. So we don't live in a world where we're going to disconnect from the internet and move to a shed in Montana, although some may choose to do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's a whole TV series about that. But what is good internet hygiene? Uh, for an individual or for uh, the... For an individual, the, I think. And I don't know if we have... The heads of J.P. Morgan Chase right. listening if they to our are, show. We'll, you know, we're we'll, very flattered. We'll so. dial it up. But, but, uh, but for, for our listeners, for our party people, what is good internet hygiene, aside from listening to the dinner party show on a regular basis? Right. And downloading our virus-free podcasts. Okay. Well, there are a lot of things, as you might imagine. Probably a few of the most simplest ones is are largely related to either your email or being on the web. So in terms of email, you should make sure that whatever email uh, client you're using, you turn off the option to automatically download attachments, period, full stop. Just shut it off, disable that. The last thing you want is any automatic downloads. Because most of us who are attacked as individuals or households, it's through attachments on email. Sure. There's something called spear phishing, which I, I, don't, I don't want to bore the, uh, the audience with the details of that. But essentially um, getting you to open, click on a link, or you could download a malicious file from the internet. And this would be web-related. Uh, and not realize that there's a problem with it. And the most common error is, is um, in my view at least, is that uh, people don't take the time to make sure that it's a trusted source. Mm. And if you want to be extreme about it, what and some people I know do this, if I were to send you an email and say, here's a great deal on, on tea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? My Achilles heel. And you should consider this price comparison. I get it for 15 not $20 uh, an ounce. You know, rather than click on the link I send you, which would be unwise, especially since you don't really know me, uh, you should instead go to the website separately from the email and log on to the website and enter it that way. And obviously, it needs to be a secure website. Normally, it has the HTTPS uh, protocol at the top. So that's one thing. The second is even attachments from retailers or others. Uh, I mean, frankly, rarely would a retailer ever include an attachment with an email to you, any retailer. So if if you're on a mailing email list uh, and you get stuff from retailers, um, if there's an attachment, not a link, an attachment, 
Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Uh-huh. So stay away from it, attachments. Is what yeah. it sounds like, you know, unless it's really trusted. Would there be some risk in like some some emails have graphics? Ours do, for mm-hmm. instance, connected to them. Is there some risk in allowing your your computer to open those as a part of opening the email? Because I know that's one of the absolutely. I mean, it, code is code, and there's code in that. Not ours. <laughs> Not ours. Our emails are safe. Please well, don't stop downloading our emails. <laughs> yeah. Well, that brings me to probably the third point to make, which is it's really important that people keep their operating system or OS uh, browser, antivirus, and other critical software up to date. And that is probably the simplest thing to do. That's also the most overlooked thing to do. So make sure... Every time you go on your computer, and if you have a computer, you should shut it off completely. When you're not using it? At least, <laughs> That's at least a dumb on a question, regular basis. Isn't it? Yes. No, you should shut That's it off while you're in the middle of yeah. using it. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I asked I, the dumb questions on the dinner party. Thank show. you, Christopher, for clearing that up for us. I think, Chris, the, the right thing to do is when you have writer's block and when it suddenly ends and you have too much slow going, that's the time to shut it Right, exactly. Very sensible. Well, Thomas, we could keep you here all evening asking you questions on how to make our porn viewing a safer experience on the internet, but unfortunately, <laughs> we're going to let you go now. But the book is called Lethal Code, and it is the first in a series. Is that correct? Yes. The next one, which is called Trident Code, will be out in May of 2015. Excellent. And I'm happy to remind people that we are both authors published by 47 North, which is and the science fiction fantasy imprint of, of Amazon. On publishing are available here and the store department on the dinnerpartyshow.com. Dinner Party and uh, purchasing them through the Dinner Party Show website helps support the show and and both of these fine authors. Absolutely. Good plug, Eric Sharkwin. Well, Thomas, thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks, Tom. Thank you so much. Do you like Facebook but wish it had less bullshit? Are you tired of clicking on links to news articles posted by your friends only to find yourself taken to the blog of some lunatic who believes every conspiracy theory he reads online? Well then, it sounds like Looney Free is the app for you. Using advanced data mining techniques, Looney Free gives you an alert when you click on a link to a supposed news article that was written by a crystal meth addict who believes the federal government has nothing better to think about than the decrepit trailer in which he spends most of his time picking at his scabs. And just this past month, we've added new filtering software that will warn you when you're about to link through to a long list of bullshit statistics compiled by a closet case religious bigot who uses her WordPress account to defame gay people and women who enjoy sex. With Looney Free, you don't have to engage in any more political debates with people who can't defend their own ideas and just throw out a bunch of bullshit links to partisan websites run by their friends as if they were quoting articles in the New York Times. And with our special hoax detector patch, you can flag your Facebook friends who still haven't figured out that the Daily Current is a satirical site on which everything is a hoax. Looney Free. Because what's news to an idiot doesn't have to be news to you. Tired of dining alone? Enjoy the dinner party show with friends. Like us on Facebook and become one of our party people. Then, during our live shows on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, you can join the conversation and post questions for Christopher, Eric, and their guests. During the week, drop in for tasty side dishes, show updates, and fun with the other party people. The Dinner Party Show. You are the life of our party. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and The Vines, the new thriller from my co-host Christopher Rice, is now on sale at thedinnerpartyshow.com and from Amazon. It's the dark, suspenseful tale of a young woman who awakens a sinister force from the soil underneath her restored plantation home outside New Orleans. Buy it if you dare. How is that? Uh, maybe more Russian. Russian? Nothing in the book is Russian. Well, I know, but it's kind of a fun accent. I'm leaving. Okay, maybe do it like you're being eaten by a plant. Yeah, still leaving. That's the promo, Brandon. Clean it up and put it on the feed. I'll be at lunch. Whatever. Okay, The Vines, my latest supernatural thriller featuring killer plants, crazy ghosts, and a whole lot of suspense. It's now on sale at thedinnerpartyshow.com and from Amazon. With no help from Eric Shaw Quinn.
You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, where dessert is the most important meal of the day. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Well, good thing I didn't tell Thomas what porn sites you visit, huh? <laughs> I that would have been embarrassing. I for thought you. that's where we were headed. Yeah. Like, and uh, on men.com, I see that you call yourself <laughs> Johnny Rapid Lover. <laughs> How do I know that? How do I know all that about porn? Because I write it now. Well, that was a fascinating interview that scared the shit out of me about going on the internet. And I don't think he really got into the, the scarier stuff about the. Um, he was very tame about it all. Yeah, like he could have been a fire breathing fear monger because right? some of the shit out there is really scary. Like, well, I ugh. I think one of the things that I get out of the whole all of it is that while we have become increasingly dependent in yes. a very short order on on porn on yeah. on not only porn but right. also the internet in general and porn is of course the major component of the internet. Right. Yeah. But um. Computers, we I think we need to work on our understanding. Like, people get very upset about their email, but, like, your email doesn't belong to you. I know, right? Like, it belongs to some other company that you're running your email through, and it goes out into the air. Like, if you don't want people to know that shit, don't put it out there. Yeah, right. And uh, don't put pictures on your phone of people in the cloud of, that you don't want other people to see, because... They're not in your possession. Just is... put them on Facebook like I do. Right, and get it over with. So next week we're joined by our good friends, Ron Oliver and Michael oh, Rowe. I love seeing them. We always see them at the holidays anyway, so we thought we would share them with everyone here in the, the partyverse. Ron Oliver has directed a lot of movies, and you've probably a seen lot. some of them late at night on the Hallmark Channel around the holiday time. Or the Here Network. Or the Here, Here? Oh, we've directed on the Here Network, too. Anyway, his latest one is the latest Beethoven movie. Right. Beethoven's Treasure Trail, I think, is what it's called. <laughs> I actually think that's what it's called. I'm not sure. That if, if Ron had anything to do with it, I'm certain that Beethoven's Treasure Trail. I love that. It's actually an uh, stars frequent dinner party show guest Alec Mappa. Yeah. Excellent. So it's Alec won't be here, but Ron Oliver will the be. two of them together. Oh, my God. The set must have been out of control. I wish I was uh, on Beethoven. I wish I'd written I wish Beethoven's I had done Treasure Trail. services for that movie just to have been on set with the two of them. Yeah, I'd like to see you do craft services. Don't Eric touch Shockey. that. Use a plate. I don't care if you want a cheese Danish. <laughs> I'm not going to get any. I'm taking a lie down. Uh, yeah, craft services. Yeah, I don't think I'm the guy for that. I no. think I'm better off with playing opposite Alex. I could play Alex romantic interest. Sure. Also, Michael Rowe will be here. Oh, and the best thing, the only thing better than Ron Oliver is Ron Oliver and Michael Rowe together. Yeah. And you may not know who the fuck these people are, but we do, and they're amazing, and they're going to be on our show. Take our for it, right? Michael's and novel... If you do know them and want to ask them any questions, post them on Facebook or call the party line with questions for them or Christopher and me because we'll be here live next week. Learn more about Michael. Go to my Facebook page when it's being deluged by fundamentalist pseudo-Christian bigots. And he's the one chopping off their arms and beating them to death with them yes, Michael by way is, of the comments. Michael is basically. a good friend. But we have wanted to have them on the show since we started doing the show, so we've been talking about it now for two years, and we're actually going to do it. Usually at Christmas. Eric Shaw Quinn just knocked his headphones off That's and right. put them back on, so he's pushed his hair up like <laughs> Ursula the Sea Witch here at the dinner party show. And I'll be doing that big dance where I spin my huge purple dress <laughs> any minute now. I smell Photoshop. <laughs> Random Valeron, are you listening? We have one minute left in the dinner party show tonight. Thank you for listening to our B author, Brenda Vaccaro. Right, special so tired edition. We can barely stand brought up. Brought to you by Tylenol Cold and Flu. And brought to you by the emergency room. I'd like to thank everyone at the emergency room at Cedar Sinai <laughs> Hospital and the monitored care unit that I think was on the third floor that had no windows or showers. Um, and I'd just like to thank Cedar Sinai for putting me in a semi-private really room. It's scary. It's sponsored yeah. by Braun. <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by what? The people who make the coffee makers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they also made some of the um, the Holocaust equipment. Wow, you just the, went right there. They made the oven. Yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. So, anyway. Well, <laughs> oh, good. We need to end this before it just goes completely to shit. <laughs> okay? We are not drunk. 
No, we are not drunk. We are actually, this is how we really are. But everybody who works for us tonight is drunk. That's right. And we're, we're being done in by the stress of and having drunk uh, staff here in the that's, studio. It's really very stressful for us. Our lives are very hard. Our lives are very hard. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to The Dinner Party Show. Thanks. I'd be to a marvelous party.